1917 is the big new technical epic from director Sam Mendes and cinematographer Roger Deakins. But is this a one-shot wonder or one big mistake? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscorn. And today we're talking about 1917, the movie, not the year. If I had to oh. give a review of the year, could have been better, you know? Not great. Not the best. Not great. It's not 1922 or anything. I mean, Ooh, yeah. Hell of a year. I don't know um, about you, but I'm feeling 1922. I don't know what I'm... A Taylor Swift joke. <sighs> Jesus. Darren, I'm clutching his straws here for comedy because there's not much to be had. No, we have just reviewed Jojo Rabbit, which as I opened that episode with... Is very stark contrast to the other war movie that January saw. Yep. Um, the other big war movie in January in the Oscars. Just in general. In general. In the year. Yeah, I don't um, think there's many more of them coming out, to be no, honest. It's, uh, oh boy, 1917 is a hell of a thing. I'm not even going to, like, pretend this for any preamble. You're just going straight in. It's a hell of a thing. Mm. I I wonder how much, and I'll, I'll kind of actually give some light later, but... I wouldn't hear much of this is media nerd Darren just being so in love with how well and how technically put together this movie is, as opposed to like normal cinema going fan Darren who, you know, is my enjoyment of the craft pushing this movie higher than it maybe should be. That's my only worry here. Yeah. But all I can say is I sat there in awe for what two and a half hours this two movie hours is fifteen and and genuinely loved all of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Good. This might be... this. I don't know whether it's going to be the best picture. Mm. This might be my best picture. Yeah. It's fucking good. It's so, so good. good. The, the advertisements that run in showcase cinemas did nothing to make this movie look interesting. No. It was Sam Mendes telling you why it's good. Yeah. Rather than actually letting you experience some of the shots from this. I felt like it actually got a good groundswell of support right at the right time Mm. Um, because America got this early they got this on Christmas Day which (laughs) apparently is a thing um, which was the only day off we had at the goddamn cinema please don't take that away from the poor people still there Um, so and and it got such good word of mouth over there everyone coming out and saying it was if not their movie of the year it's up there Um, and a lot of people whose opinions we trust um, Including Taika Waititi, who had his own movie to, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, like you know, advertise and stuff, was saying nineteen seventeen his film of the year, and it, I feel like just just when it needed that boost, a lot of people started talking about it in mainstream media. This is it true. was on BBC News, it was in the Express and Star, a local newspaper. Everyone was gaining on the act. So I think people kind of noticed. Yeah, this is a big deal. I've seen to pay that on the side of buses that, in no uncertain terms, just say the words "You need to see this movie." Yeah. It's like, wow, okay. Yeah, they took all those quotes from the American reviewers, whacked them all on the posters. Like, just the fact, this is the thing that knocked Star Wars off the top. I don't know whether it was here or in America or both, but it's the one that's taken it off the top spot. Fair point. I mean, Star Wars in its third week, fair enough, and it's just made a billion. I think Star Wars will be fine. Uh, I think the franchise will continue. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, probably. But- Interesting, my screening of it 
for, for starters, you couldn't watch it in anything other than X Plus or IMAX. No, it was great. Yeah, it was good. I'm glad of that because I do love the X Plus screens. Um, moreover, it's an Oscar movie, it's a war movie, and it's a very technically proficient movie. All three things that normally drive people away in droves. Yeah. My screening was fucking packed. Mine was. On a Monday night, it was rammed full. Hmm. Um, now, I know that's with Showcase Insider, where I went, you can get half price tickets that may have had something to do with it. But it was, yeah, the busiest I've seen a Monday screen possibly ever. It was ridiculous. Uh, and for good meaning, I mean, I was excited just because, again, the whole it's shot like it's one shot mm. was enough for me to go and see. I, I don't know what a movie would have to be for me to not at least be interested in just seeing if they had the balls to pull it off. Yeah, the first I heard of this film was just, it was Sam Mendes doing a war film. I was like, okay, I like Sam Mendes enough. I'll probably maybe see it and then... We filmed the movie as one continuous shot. I was like, okay, now you're piquing my interests. That's a thing. Bear in mind, like, some of the best scenes of the past 10 years have been long continuous shots. Yeah. I'm thinking the corridor scene in Old Boy. I'm thinking the church scene in um, Kingsman. Yeah. Like, something that at least looks like or is actually one long shot. People yeah. are really going for these days. So to do that for a two hour fucking film, big, Billy Big Bollocks move, that is. Brave. Very fucking brave. I mean... Although there is a giant asterisk next to that, isn't there? Yes, so it isn't actually... This may shock you. It isn't actually one take. Because could you imagine if they got to error number two and the pyrotechnics failed? Or a boom mic came into shot for a second. It's just shot that way. It is. It's very well presented. I kind of... Me being the over-analytical person I Mm. am can kind of maybe look at this... Movie is like in little 10 minute packets, yeah. I guess. But even then, a 10 minute continuous take, it's still fucking impressive. Amazing. The, the only two times I think it's to the film's detriment, one I think is a genuine criticism, one is uh, self criticism. Yeah. There's one, there's two time jumps, one of which happens near the end of the movie, which I'm actually okay with because it's Frank. There's one in the middle that I feel because of the way it's shot, kind of throws things off a little bit. Yeah. It's not made apparent that. There's been a massive passage of time here. I think I know the one you mean. Right. Yeah. The other one, and this is a problem I have myself, was playing the game Spot the Cut. Yes. Um, I was doing this all the time. excited to see this movie a second time so I don't do that because it ruined it a little bit for me where you're trying to guess where the cut is. Sometimes it's obvious. Yeah, anytime they go into a dugout, you're like, what's there in it? Yeah, they'll go into complete darkness when they're going into the the little rooms they've built in the trenches. Or if a wall comes over and like swipes the entire screen, it's obvious. There's some that are. I would really be. It's hard to tell where the exact cut is. There's one. It, it moves from like a reverse sweeping shot, goes mm. above and then round to the side. I'm like, I know there's a cut there. I couldn't tell you where it is. I think there's a few times where you'll have the camera will pull focus onto one guy, and I feel like there's a cut where the camera goes between... So it's focusing on him. There is a there is a cut. You're still seeing the person in frame, but they've clearly cut. So the second guy, it's not the same take, it's a new take. This guy has now come into shot. Well, they've changed sets or something. Then the other guy will go out of shot and then he'll come back in. So that's some very, very high-end CGI work being done mm, there yeah. to make it. And that's the thing, because it's a movie that's not necessarily going for big, flashy special effects. It's able to use them smartly and put the budget to making them look unbelievable. I, I imagine there's some times where the people we've seen on the screen, not necessarily even during action scenes, 
They're, they must be CGI. And as they pan round, there is a cut from here's the CGI one to here's the real one. Maybe, although I, much the opposite way, actually. Certainly any scene that's in a trench. Yeah. The fucking amount of extras they've got into Ridiculous. To this movie. They, Impressive. I, I was trying to think. I was like, what's the most practical way of building a trench? I was like, surely you can't be actually building a trench. Surely where the bottom of the trench is is actually the grain floor and they just heap two piles of dirt on the other side. Apparently, no. They dug a mile's yep. worth of trench somewhere near Newcastle. That's right, yeah. Um, I mean, Newcastle's not good for much else, so why not just dig <laughs> trenches there? You think I'm like, foam a moat and just... <laughs> Say, full of water, call it a river. Who there cares? we go. Um... Love you, any Newcastle listeners. It's actually a very nice city. Um, Never actually been. Although, isn't nice. it the place with the only the only Greg's drive through? Isn't that a thing? If I could imagine. I was only there for a football match, but I will say that the climbing up the stairs to the away end of St James's Park is the most knackered I've ever been. <laughs> it, you are literally if you if you stand up at the right time, your head's in a cloud. You are you are on the fucking like you know. You, How much of that is just northern weather though? True, very true. <laughs> uh, it's very nice, but but you are so far up. I've read this. I hope it's true. If you're at the back of the away end of St James's Park, you are half a mile away from the centre spot. That is funny. I have to, I have to believe that's not true, but I wish it was. Surely that's a new camp situation, right? Not a well, maybe, you know. maybe. I've also been on the back row of the new camp as well. I've seen photos oh. from there. Like Jesus, oh, Christ. it was the best. It was sunset. Anyway, away from football stadiums and back to 1917. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think. The main draw for this movie is the technical excellence. Oh, There's yeah. good storytelling and relatively good acting going on as well, but mm. you're just there for just... That's what sets it apart. That's the certainly what point. got me into a seat, yeah. is being told, this is meant to look like... And, and, and there's, there's, there's parts of me that actually kind of equate this a little bit to a video game. In, yeah. in the sense of it's very, it's very fluid. It's a very yeah. fluid movie. It's very water-like, so to speak. Uh, and the camera does weave in and out. You feel like you're there. And I know that's really trite. I know that's something that an American reviewer would say because, you know, stuff that you read in game reviews especially. The game makes you feel like Spider-Man. Like yeah. Every fucker was saying that. This film plants you in the middle of this story. Yeah. Tells you just as much as you need to know and then just takes you on a ride. Yeah. And especially now we're getting told from people like Martin Scorsese that movies aren't movies anymore, they're roller coaster rides. This one actually felt the most like a roller coaster ride, but was also a really good story. It was. So if you're not aware, the the story basically the only impotence you have for this story is um it's um we're on the British front line or the Allied Forces uh, front line. Mm. Um and we pick up with our two characters. You've got Lance Corporal Tom Blake Playing by Dean, Dean Charles Chapman, yep. who was Tommen in Game of Thrones um, right. for most of the time. He wasn't like the young, young version of Tommen, but where they he actually turned up as a different Lannister. He was a cousin. They got killed in like season two, but they liked the actor so much that they actually brought him back to be new Tommen. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, he's the king that fell. In, he was the king that landed in King's Landing. He's old Tommen, um, and was a much upgrade on his brother. Anyway, I didn't realise he's him because last time I saw him, Tommen was like five years ago. Right. He's grown up now. And I was all the way through, as well as playing Spot the Cut, I was playing, who the fuck is this guy? I know. <laughs> I know that face. Um, 
So he, um, you kind of see him at the start of the movie sleeping, uh, just next to some tree in some downtime. He's called to the front uh, office. He picks his friend uh, Will Schofield, played by George McKay, who I've never seen anything. I've seen him in one movie. Uh, he played uh, Bromley in Pride, which oh, I okay. implore you to watch Pride. It's <sighs> such a good film. What's who's in that? Is that um... oh, loads of people are in that. Um, bear with me. I'm going to get the. This is not what we were intended to do, but I'm going to get the cast list for Pride just so I can sell this to you a little oh, bit is more. It... Oh, is that the the? I, I was thinking of um, a different one. That's the gay Pride one. Yeah. So right, and, okay. uh, Joe Gilgan, Dominic West, Andrew Scott, uh, Imelda Staunton, Bill Nye, Paddy Considine, 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 Considine. Yeah, that guy, just uh, the Russell Tovey, a who's who of British actors. Yeah, um, this came out in like 2014. It's such a good film. Fucking right, watch Pride. I'll anyway, watch that. Uh, George McKay is fucking brilliant in this film. He is. He's kind of int- very much introduced as the player too, and yeah. then that dynamic shifts. It does. It goes from uh, Super Mario, <laughs> Super Mario Odyssey to <laughs> Luigi's Mansion. Um, <laughs> so. They're called to the front office by um, Colin Firth, who heads up a long list of well-known British actors who only had to turn up for one scene. Yep. Um, Once again, a who's who of British actors. Yeah, I mean, so you've got Colin Firth turns up, uh, Bendit Cumberbatch turns up, Richard Madden turns up. Are these spoilers? I think these are spoilers. Well, I haven't said who they are. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, Andrew Scott turns up as well, Mark Strong also as Mark well. Mark Strong. Um, all turn up at some point for one scene, basically. Anyway, so he's calling to the, the office of um, Colin Firth playing General um, Erin Moore, mm. who tells him, right, here's your basic plot, lads. Um, <laughs> lads, it's a fetch quest. Right, you know. <laughs> here's your modus operandi. Um, the Germans have retreated. They've got aerials um, that suggest the, the Germans have retreated from their front line. Mm. Uh, no one's been over the top for a few days, so they haven't been able to confirm this because no one's shooting at them mm. um, because they haven't launched an attack. But they've been told through intelligence and their own aerials the Germans have retreated. Yeah, about three um, miles back. Yeah. And it, it's planned. Like Yeah, so they're like, why are they retreating? We believe that this other guy, um, J- Colonel McKenzie... Um, is the one he, he's playing an attack? He was playing an attack before um, we knew the Germans had retreated um, because he thought it basically was going to be a pincer move. They've retreated now, and we believe they're setting up an ambush. They're meant to start attacking um, tomorrow morning. Your brother's in that company. We need you to get there. We've heard you're very good at map reading. Um, so this is um, Lance Corporal Tom Blake's uh, character's brother. Yeah, is in the uh, the attacking army, and he's like. You need to get there before that attack starts, because otherwise we're going to lose one thousand six hundred troops. Yep, and that's bad. That is um, bad. And but you get your choice of topping. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but your brother might die. That's, that's bad. bad. But you'll get some good cardio. That's, that's good. good. So that's it. The cardio is mostly trudging through dead bodies. That's bad. Can I go now? <laughs> <laughs> there is a Simpsons quote for everything. For everything. So that's it. And literally, like. Tom Blake literally turns on his heel and goes, right. cool, right, well, we got to go. And you can see him, like, there's a great scene of him walking out of the trench. Mm. And Will Scofield is a bit more kind of, like, um, reserved and a bit more, like, tactical. Because obviously he hasn't got the, the yeah. familiar thing that's put A bit more po-faced, a bit more resentful, I guess. Yeah. A bit more doesn't want to get shot in the head. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there is that. So he's basically trying to be like, look, think we, we're not going to make it. That's like, we've got to get nine miles in, like, what, ten hours, that, that's impossible we can't do it think about it the whole time Blake is blatantly not listening to him 
and he's just psyching himself up as he's just ploughing to this bit they need to get to in the trench where they're going to go over because there's a hole in the fence. All of this is told through very minimal dialogue yep. and a continuous shot of him pushing past people yep. in the British trench. And it is so full of character. Brilliant. He doesn't. He basically says nothing, and he, you can get all the you you get immediately like, oh, we're going on this mission. There's yeah. no hamming about. We're not waiting to get supplies or anything. We are just fucking going. He's got to get his, get to his brother, and that starts the timer that the movie kind of was always going to live and die on. Mm. And for the most part, sticks to. Like I said, there's that one time jump in the middle which we talk about in spoilers, but uh, the, other than that, you are boy, well, it's go time, and you that that tension is kept there. Mm. Through obviously the set pieces that kind of ramp up the tension and bring it down again, but that kind of sense of like we need to get there now is never lost, and I no. think that really helps the one take pace a lot. It does. There's something that the movie does really well. It is tension mm. uh, because good god, that is a very very tense movie start to finish, yes. including the moments where you know it, it does throw a bit of action at you, it throws a bit of loud bangs or what have you. Um, Big bang, big bang, big mad people jump in the seats. <laughs> like that's it throws that at you, but that's equally as tense as just two lads walking across mm. a ruined field or stumbling through an orchard. Yeah. You still feel like, all right, we need to fucking get a move get, get, on. Come going, on, going, you know. The and they do not shy away from like Jojo Rabbit for, for as much as like uh, most time is like a glamorization of. Okay, glamorization's the wrong word, but it's kind of like a... A glossing over. Yes. But that fits the theme of that movie being child through, through the child's eyes. It does. These lads are like... What would you say? They're like 1920? Yeah. Like that? Or 1970. Or 1970. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And there is just... If you've got a thing for corpses, like you don't like them, it ain't the movie yeah. for you. I'd leave. I'm, I'm talking, I wouldn't bother seeing And it. not just humans. I'm talking horses, mm. I'm talking cows, I'm talking dogs. You see everything there. I'm dead. talking planes, I'm talking yeah. tanks. Yeah, it's just a whole lot of dead people. Um, and including the bit where I thought this was going to be more of a thing. Early on, um, Schofield gets his hand pricked by razor wire. Oh, oh, oh that, I know, and oh. he pops it out and yeah. he's bleeding, but it's not too bad. About a minute or so after, he puts his hand straight through a German chest. Yep. And you're like, I thought that was going to be a thing. Me too. I, thought, I, oh, do, 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 I was like, no, gangrene does not set on you in eight hours. I no. think he's going to be okay. Um, so, and they're off. And that is basically, it's just that they squeeze through the fence and they are just going over no man's land. They have to go through the German trenches um, and so on and so forth. It's kind of... This is hard to not spoil. It is. No, there, there's... A few things that happen along the way where we kind of meet some of the other British actors that turned up. Which is all, always fun. And I think the variety of what they have to do. So obviously getting across No Man's Land is avoiding, you know, the, the ditches that have formed, um, avoiding the corpses, etc. That then switches to a lot more claustrophobic mm. um, action when you're going through the German ten- uh, to the German trenches and it gets really tense. Uh, there's then they oversee um, a dogfight happening in the sky as well. Um and you just get introduced to so many moving parts. It doesn't stay with one particular like set piece, for want of a better word. It does I mean, do a lot of flux with like how close and imminent any form of yeah. danger is as well. The dogfight bit especially. It's yeah. like, that thing over there is really terrifying. And now this thing over here is really terrifying. Yeah. And, you know, there's a world of distance between the yeah. two. 
Oh god, it's so good, Darren. And they it's just so keep good. the like the variety. I think again, that's what helps the the one shot nature of it is something changes in their world roughly every like fifteen to twenty minutes. There's a new thing added on, mm. and and I think that really helps keep the the pace up and keep that kind of sense of urgency. Of we need to get there. We need to get there. Um, yeah, we well, this thing we don't really need to mention all that many actors because. You, with the main two for the most part they don't both do stellar jobs as a two-hander this has kind of been an easy one to make either they, Sam Mendes was just sat down and said look lads this is going to fucking suck I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you it ain't going to be happy for either of you um, but hey you get to meet a British actor wouldn't say like two weeks that'll be fun for you yeah. um, and there'll be sometimes where you're not muddy like the first ten minutes you'll yeah. be clean but apart from that mud blood in the woods <laughs> Well, this is, I think and they, they shot good. in story order as well, which yeah. is what I find interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Holy shit. They, this was a thing, the fucking advert that kind of nearly ruined the sheen of the movie for me because it played in front of every fucking film at Showcase. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone was, so they shot in story order, so they weren't allowed to shoot out of sequence. Right. Um, and they were shooting in natural light. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of outdoor scenes. So apparently there was a lot of sitting around waiting for the right amount of clouds to be in the sky for him to go, that kind of looks like what we had earlier. Go, 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 go. Which, fuck, that must have been hard. That was a pain in the ass. I can't see this kind of catching on as being the new hip way to shoot your movies. Fuck no, it's got to be difficult. Because it must have been a right pain. That's why he has to keep it to two actors, because if you have any more than that on screen for too long a time that's too many variables you're opening up a can of worms of having inconsistencies over your makeup or your costume yeah. at least if it's just the two of them you know you know, you can pretty much track where two people's mud was your variables are a lot less and I imagine at the end of every day they had to be literally taking a picture of every square inch of their body to make sure it was perfect for the next oh day oh Christ I, I do not envy the costume designers no. or the makeup people good well, God no. speaking of those costumes are really cool I didn't realise they had the um uh, like the sort of the leather yeah. waistcoat things going on. That is a really, that is a, not a, excuse me, not a cool uniform, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Very well designed, very in period. I wasn't questioning any of it, which yeah. probably means it's good costuming. Yeah. I think they do a very, very good job. I think, I don't think acting is the strongest point of this movie. I think it helps kind of. It helps that it's great. Yeah, it helps you tailor it too, but I don't think it's the, the real gold standard of this movie. Then that again might just be me watching this because as I mentioned at the start I was like am I, am I enjoying this as a technical exercise more than I am a film I went with um, my girlfriend and her parents they both loved it and trust me they are not into movies as much as I am so I think that was a good kind of barometer of like no it's not just me thinking um, you know you're not going this to see it as like a, a media documentary of like, oh, look how brilliant this is and how technically made it is and to marvel at that. That is very impressive. Again, if you had to put it, again, I didn't actually make this point. If you had to put it on a scale between Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old and um, Dunkirk, mm. it leans more towards Dunkirk yeah. than it does They Shall Not Grow Old. But they're all playing in the same yeah. realm, and not just because of the setting. I mean, they are no. all playing with this sense of claustrophobia, even in mm. the giant spaces, in this sense of imminent dread and playing with yeah. time. And, you know, they're all in the same fucking ballpark, which is cool. I'm glad you brought Dunkirk up. Mm. Because I feel like that's going to be the most contemporary like comparison piece. It does feel like Sam Mendes is basically retracing Nolan's footsteps, doesn't it? But I prefer this, I think, just because it's so much more straightforward. I know that Nolan likes to play with time and all that stuff. 
I think this is better. I think because you're with them the whole time and it's such a personal journey, it's so much easier to track and I think that makes the tension better. The music in this... Oh, it's really good. Like, you don't even notice it at the start but especially to what... You might have seen this shot in the trailers of him sort of running across a front line where Mm. there are um, British soldiers charging to the side and he's bombing down the front. Yeah. Um, especially during that scene, and you can hear that little ticking going yeah. on, like time is ticking away. Yeah. This is the point of the movie, hammering the nail in. Oh, the theming throughout is yeah. just spectacular. It all drives in one direction. It must have been such a tight production to get this kind of movie out. Because oh, I don't even want to think of the amount of spreadsheets that went into doing this. Thing. <laughs> oh, and God. you like spreadsheets? I love spreadsheets, but I don't love them that much. Um, yeah, I. I don't have a... Like, there is very little about this movie that I can even begin to criticise because it had to all work. Yeah. If one thing... If the actors were less than great, that hurts. If there's... Yes, it's all shot as one take, but there's too many jumps or there's too many, you know, or inconsistencies. Or far too obvious, you know. Yeah, exactly. I think that hurts it. It takes such a strong hand to drag all of this through. Yeah. And if Sam Mendes doesn't win the fucking directing Oscar, something has gone wrong. I was saying this to you in between recording this and Jojo Rabbit. Mm. I now he's up against Scorsese, which is not who a just good... who just did some de aging and just shot his three best mates in a movie. True, but do you take directing as directing the actors, or do you take directing as directing the camera? Because I would say that's cinematography, in which case he wins. I get that. I I see it as a whole of like he it was because he wrote this. He you know he was the it wasn't like he was a, a, a hired hand for this. No, it was a two hander between him and oh Christ, I a can't remember Scottish her name. lady. Yeah, let me get her name up. Um, I think because uh, Christy Wilson Cairns. Yeah, if she was, if he was a hired hand, maybe. But I think it's, as this was his baby the whole way through. And he had to wrestle with so much. As a director, to have to figure out... Cinematology is one thing, but you've got to have consistency with the acting, consistency with basically every facet of the whole thing has to be ticking over. And he would have had a lot of help from that, but he's the kingpin. He ultimately is responsible for all of it working. And because it works as so much, as good as it does... I'm not belittling the work of any of the other ones. Oh, no. But for me, it's all over if he doesn't get directing one. What's the point? Let's just jack it in. Well, who else is up for the directing one? I know Scorsese right. is for it. Can you I'm... give it to him over the man who directed The Hangover 3? Can you do that, Michael? Can was... you in good conscience do that? Michael? I was never arguing that Joker should win the directing one. Well, me neither. One. Jesus, but... I think it's interesting that that's been nominated for Best Picture. I think it's a fucking... It's a bolt-on that Joker's taking at least two Oscars home. I, I would put my house on Best Actor... Yep. I mean, you don't even bother that. And original score. As much as I love Thomas Newman's work for this, I think that... No, no, the Academy are going to love no, know, that cello score I know, but, for but, Joker. I know. But, Plus, it's a way of giving Joker an Oscar without giving it Best Picture. But, so, but you know. It was, John, it was John Williams' goodbye to the Star Wars saga. I'm aware... Look, I'm in the middle of writing an article about the Oscar choices, and I'm doing... Carry on, Michael. Well, I know you're going to do Carry a thing. On. I'm not going to do anything. You're definitely going to do a thing. Carry on, I'm not going to do a thing. Give me a chance to prove my innocence. Okay, cool. 
So there's going to be... God damn it! <laughs> so there's, <laughs> there's going to be... I'm doing head and heart picks for the Oscar right, okay. thingy. And my head, my head pick are the ones that are like, yeah, that should definitely win it. And my heart picks are, these are my outliers. These okay. are the ones I want. I can't believe John Williams is an outlier, you know. I think if John Williams were not nominated for this score, I think it would be Thomas Newman. Because I think that there's, yeah. there's just that excellent theming of the ticking of the clock all throughout the entire production, but mostly even in those scenes where things are grandiose and there are things exploding yeah. and dramatic running and full-on looks into the camera, there's still that, you got to get moving, there's a certain pace to everything. So good. Yeah, it's so good. So brilliant. And yeah, I oh, I want to get into spoilers so we can discuss this some more. Shall we just get there? Let's do it. Right, I think it's a big recommendation for both of us. Um, this is going to take some fucking beating. Like oh, this is at number one now, and I think it's going to be at number one, maybe until I sit. There. I don't know what Parasite's going to be like. I'm seeing that tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, and I think A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood has a chance to dethrone it if it's as good as I think it is. Right. Fuck me, it's going to have to. It's. Oh, what can possibly beat this? I know that Christopher Nolan's got a movie coming out this year. I know Edgar Wright's got a movie coming out this year. Two Marvel movies. Two they Marvel tend to movies. Do well. Um, they, they tend to do well. Mulan, right. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who wasn't excited I mean, for Mulan? Mulan does genuinely look quite interesting. Yeah, they've actually made it like uh, yeah. a Chinese war epic what as opposed to just fuck, a yeah. redraw of the, co- the cartoon. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. Um, of all the, the Disney live action movies, that one looks the best. Yeah, outside I mean, of Jungle Book. There's also Doolittle. That's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> the trailer did make me laugh because there's just a bit with a little shrew that's auditioning. And he comes in and says, hello to my little friend. And then a little mage just walks around the side and goes, hello. <laughs> and that was enough just to, I properly pissed myself. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, it's going to take some bit eat up yeah. there. And I, I, I just, it's rare I come out of a movie not just enjoying it, but being just so utterly impressed by the whole package. Yeah, yeah. I which get is what you, what you get here. So, yeah, brilliant. And here we go with the spoiler alert. So, I didn't, I should have seen the death of Blake coming. I did not at all. That was no, a fucking either. gut punch. I was like, especially because they've shown... Because this happens really early on. Or maybe it happened dead midway through. And yeah. I didn't realise because I was having so much fucking fun. But they, they kill Blake off in quite... Not an unceremonious matter, but they're making a very blatant point that Blake is the better person. Yeah, He's absolutely the man that sees beyond the war and knows that it's a a human travesty yeah. that there are innocent people risking their lives because the man at the top told them to and it gets him stabbed in the fucking abdomen by a German he's pulled out of a flaming he's just plane. saved from a flaming plane fucking Nazis go uh, and get him some water he puts the water in the helmet yeah. and he comes back his friend's fucking bleeding out it's like oh shit oh it's bad I mean that spin is beautiful it as is well. it's but it kind of then I think the movie's better for it because then it becomes about true heroism. Mm. Schofield no longer has a dog in this fight. Yes, he's still trying to save his men, but you could tell by his reservations of like, it's unlikely we'll get there. Mm. It's almost impossible we'll get there. And even if we do, there's nothing to say that, you know, they'll actually call off the attack, we'll actually end up saving everybody. Yeah. His brother, you know, it's not his brother, so he's not... He very well could die trying. But he does the better thing. He picks up the banner and he carries the... Almost like... Yes, he grieves for a second, but he maybe takes like a five-minute breather and then it's like, right, onwards. I've now got a purpose to finish this mission. Yep. And that's just such 
good writing to yeah. do that. It's so brilliant. Schofield's in, infinitely the more interesting character as well mm. because you don't get his full story until the last frame of the movie. No. Which I thought was a lovely way of capping that off. Is that Blake is, is very much the... The the every boy soldier, the it's one who Captain thought, America, yeah, the one who thought it would be such good fun. They were going to yeah. go on an adventure and get some yeah. good food whilst they're in Europe, yeah. rather than sit in a muddy trench developing stank ass foot and yeah. you know getting nibbled on uh, by rats. Yeah, so you know, and then Schofield is so the opposite way. It's I just want to go home. I just want to do the thing that won't get me killed. Yeah, and then go home because this is fucking stupid. He does say like he has been home from the war at some point, but he said oh, I couldn't enjoy myself yeah. because I knew I had to come back. So yeah. he's clearly very anti-war, but that doesn't stop him from doing you know, his duty. That also, you thought John Wick could take a fucking kick in this lad. It's fucking hell, it's like Deadpool. He just keeps getting <laughs> waffled by everything. At one point, he's buried alive in a German trench, and about ten minutes later, he's like running again. Oh, that bitch shit me up so bad. Oh, so, yeah, they're in the German trench. Um, they're looking for food. They're like going through the barracks that they've tunnelled, like, because the Germans are just much better. They're basically part mole. They can build <laughs> better, like, like tunnels than we can. Um, so they're going through a bunker. They find food, but then they find a tripwire, yeah. which a fucking rat lets off, a Nazi rat. <laughs> Blows in the kingdom come. And Blake has to, like, pull him in. And I thought he was gone at that point. Yeah. I thought, well, he's going to... Because the story could have worked both ways. Yes, it's about him t- carrying on the burden, even though it's not his, you know, fight. But then you could also have, because um, Schofield was so reluctant to go, to have that guilt put on Blake that he's killed him, I mm. thought that would also give you impetus to get to the finishing line. Um, but yeah, I thought he was a goner, and then he comes back to life. He's proper like hawking up his goods, and he must have had—he must have slept for two days straight on that tree at the end. Good God, he must have been knackered. So in, in, in the space of the two Noah's fifteen, you're with him. Yeah, he's roped into what could charitably be described as a suicide mission. Yep, he gets—I think he even does describe it as a suicide mission at some <laughs> yeah. point. He sticks his hand through a couple of corpses. Yeah, he gets blo- nearly blown to fuck underground. Stabbed in the hand by some stabbed razor wire. Stabbed in the hand by some razor wire. Yeah, he has to fight off a German fighter pilot that's on fire. Yeah, he then has to have a tense shootout with a sniper. Gets shot in the head from almost point blank range. Yes, he hits the helmet, but still. Then gets. Nearly out-wrestled by a, a German kid who's trying to alert him to his presence. Yeah. Has to escape l- about five other well-armed Germans at yeah. one point. Um, and then somehow bomb it down the front lines without getting blown up. I feel like he gets stabbed at some point as well. Does he get stabbed? There's a lot of blood at some point. And that is how? Is it for, I, I can't remember. Anyway, so yeah, he's not having a good time. Um, so, the... No, he gets... It, it's... Um, when he when he deals with the sniper over the bridge and it's like a two shot situation, two bullets at the same time. That's he it. Clips his head, That's but he doesn't it. kill him, and he gets the other guy. That's the one. So now, just preceding that is the only time jump that's in the movie. So see, now I thought when you said the egregious time jump, it mm. was going to be when they arrive at that house, well, that farmhouse. Yeah, and Blake dies. There's no one around, and then two seconds later, there's an entire platoon of buses. Yeah, so... But I think because that's a continuous take, and then those two just turn up. Mm. I didn't take that as as the time jump. I thought, yes, it's a bit strange, and that's maybe the weakest part of this kind of shuffling from from set piece to set piece. Um, It actually comes at the end of that. So, Mark Strong's platoon turns up with cars (laughs) and vans. It is. 
with cars and stuff, and they they see what's happened, and because they heard the plane crash. Yep. Um, that's cool. Yeah, it was fantastic. Oh, that, to pull that off in a continuous shot to, as well. Yes, yeah, to see the plane like oh. duck, and I was like, I oh, know what's coming. So it looks like it's like hit the ground, and all of a sudden it's coming over the hill, and it's yeah. like about to hit you. Oh God, that's tense. So Mark Strong turns up and says like, right. We've got cars to come with us. Now, that kind of shakes the logic a little bit of like, well, did no one else have a car? They do say the reason they can't communicate with anybody else is that the Germans cut the phone lines before they left. Mm. So maybe they couldn't um, get in contact with Mark Strong's platoon to say, send the car over. Um, so he's, he's with them for a little bit. He only goes, like he's only with them for about 10 minutes, so he mm. didn't make all that much ground in the car. In the back of that truck with like, um, the menagerie of potential soldiers. Yeah. Which, were it the Second World War, that platoon would be proper, like, authentic. It's just, right, you've all been called up. You're yeah. all just, you're in that bunk. And it's, yeah. it's a fucking, you know, rainbow palette of people. Yeah. But First World War, you were, conscri- you were you joined up by a regiment of location. So right. that felt a little bit contrived. Right, okay. But I did get what they were going for. You got the Scottish guy... You've got the, the northern guy. The northern guy. Um, there was a seat guy. The seat guy. There was, and they were, and they're all great actors. They were all, yeah, you know, yeah. doing what they were supposed to do, which is portray what it was like for these kids who thought it was going to be a yeah. jolly old adventure, kicking the hun. Yeah, and it was actually the most grueling time of any man yeah. ever. I think they really captured that in the in those performances with the vans. It was just. Every time the van got stuck, it's just it's another fucking thing to add to the bad the list of bad things that happened today. Yeah, it's not going off, but he's only with them for a bit because that's when he thought like, right, this is where they're gonna. Because right at the start of the film, I say, look, it's going to take us about I think it said eight hours for us to get to. I can't find the name of the town um, that they're in. Um, it's somewhere in France it begins with A I can't remember what it's called somewhere um, on the northern f- yeah. front western front sorry he said it's going to take us about 8 hours to get there and I'm like well we've only got 2 hours mm. so there's going to have to be a bit where either they break from the one shot thing to do a time jump or they truncate events yeah or they're going to get in a car and they're going to you know drive a good amount of time in the car to kind of make the distance up mm. he's only with them for about 10 minutes and it's made obvious he's not made it that far before they come to a bridge that's been blown up so it's like right we can't carry on we're going to have to turn the convoy in but you can, and he Skyfall gets out and says, no, I'm going to have to carry on by myself at this point. The camera then turns round to like a ruined, another ruined bridge, but a smaller one across a, a smaller river. Like a little metal one. Yeah. Then Skyfall like climbs onto the top and he's going to jump over. Then he gets stopped being shot at by the sniper. The crack of those rifles oh, as well. That's bad. some really lovely sound design. Like, not on the X-Plus when you're getting deafened by it. Exactly. But I appreciated that yeah. that felt horrifying. It did. And it was nasty and it was... It made you flinch. Yeah. It was horrible shit. That's the sign of the good sound design. It because is. you are supposed to feel the horrible. exact same emotions yeah. of this character. You're supposed to be thinking, oh, fuck, this is it. Every single yeah. time. You still know there's another hour of the movie coming. You're like, well, <laughs> fuck, this is it. It's all over with. So that is the only time jump mm. because it goes from him being on a bridge miles away from where he is and the camera just turns to the left and then you see that bridge but I I, I appreciate the effort to keep it as one shot but that's the only bit where it's like it's not made obvious it's a time jump until a little bit afterwards so he gets knocked out by the sniper where it's night yeah it's night time he wakes up he walks a little bit down the road um, finds um, a French girl hiding in this basement and oh. says is this the town? Mm. And she's like, yes, it is. And I'm like, what the hell? What? 
So it's clear that was the time jump. It just wasn't made all that. Like and the other bit of me that figured because I took a while to figure. Well, where was? How are we here? Hmm. I figured out like yes, if a German sniper started shooting at Schofield, why wouldn't the entire battalion of British soldiers have started firing back? I'm like right, okay, that's where the jump is. Yeah. And it's like it's. I know it had to happen at some point because we can't have an eight-hour movie. But I, I could have done with that. I don't being know. A you good. tell that to my Scorsese. Yeah, true. Oh, excuse Scorsese had done this on Netflix. Of course, it would have been an eight-hour fucking thing. Um, that's the only bit where I'm like, I could have done with that being a bit more. Even if it was a dramatic light change from like it's quite light when you're still with Mark Scarfield to then going dark. Yeah. Say so like, right, okay, there's the time jump. That's the only bit I get. The other bit is like immediately after that when he gets knocked out, but that's fine as a time jump because he's knocked out. Yeah, that's it fine. makes sense. It's it's also pretty much the only obvious cut in the movie. It is, yeah. It's the only time where you're away from that kind of tension of being always there. Although it does allow for the beautiful lighting of that set, of like oh. kind of the ruined town, and it's, oh. it's lit by flares and fire. Fuck, it looks good. Generally speaking, the set design and... You know, the location finding have done a fantastic job of really convincing job. you that this is like how horrifying No Man's Land looks yeah. compared to how squalid the trenches are, how claustrophobic yeah. the underground bit is, how weirdly beautiful the on town on fire town is, uh, and then you end with the the sweeping grand shots of the of the Western Front. And yeah, that's really cool. The, the, it's the variety that really helps this movie out, I think, of just... Because it could just be a, a drab grey mess, and it really yeah. isn't. So you go from, like you said, you go from the No Man's Land, the kind of grim reality of that, the claustrophobia of the trenches, the fun, the, the, fun, the, the epic scale of the dogfight, the kind of tragedy that happens after that. Then you have a load of soldiers having a bit more dialogue than you're used to, and that's mm. the change there. Then you're basically into that sniper's nest, and you're into the, the German-occupied town. Before you get to the, before you jump in a river and yep. fast travel to the place you were meant to go to, weirdly, um, like I said, this video game trend does kind yeah. of it kind of feels like Breath of the Wild in a weird weird way because it is just it's all uncharted territory. <laughs> it is, and it is all just you're going the the journey is not the getting there. It's no. how we got there. Oh, it's I'm just so impressed, Michael. It's really it's good. just so good. It's hard to think of new and interesting ways to say. This specific aspect of the movie was really fucking good because yeah. it's just all good. It's a cohesive whole that's hard to really think of. Like, even in terms of war movies, I've only seen it once and it's already up there. I could see this becoming, anyway, generations, saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Of like, this is, you're going to get some lucky bastards in a few years are going to get to watch this in history class. Mm. We had to watch Blackadder for fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> no, I like Blackadder, you shut oh, the fuck does. up. They're going to get to watch this and they don't know how lucky they are. They don't um, know. Admittedly, our war movie, Saving Brock Ryan, does have Vin Diesel and this one doesn't, so it might be better. Um, <laughs> so anyway, a swift number two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there we go. I, yeah, there's, there's only so many versions, but as, as if you need to sell any on any point, uh, any more on this point, you just have to go and watch this movie. Yeah. Just for the the fucking melons on some Mendes <laughs> to go, I'm going to do a one-take war movie. And not even set it in the popular war. No. Did you do World War One for you, mad bastards? I know it was like based on his, his grandparents' um, yeah. stories, but yeah, I'm, I, oh, I, you're right. I can't see a lot's going to have to happen for this to be troubled. Yeah, and that ending where it all just sort of comes together, and you realise that Schofield all along had 
much the same reasons to do what he was doing yeah. than Blake did. And you see those photos of his wife and two kids. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, okay, fair play. Well done. And that's the other thing. So, yeah, I'm glad you stopped me from wrapping up then because, like, it's only ruined slightly by having Pete from Gavin and Stacey there. Wait, uh, what? Right, so when you get to Benedict Cumberbatch... Oh, the second right. Yeah, is yeah. Pete from Pete and Dawn in, yeah. in Gavin and Stacey. You've been eyeing up my booners like, Yeah, exactly. You, know, you, you don't want that, do you? Pete Dawn. I don't <laughs> want that. Um, he. So that, that threw me off for a second. Um, but he. Um, so the real who's who of British actors. Exactly. Bernie Cumberbatch is like the hot. Because even Mark Strong says some people just want the fight. And yeah. he might be one of them that even though you're tending, this is going to stop. I like that. It's a better ending for it that he doesn't actually save everybody. No. It's not like he gets there and calls it off. He's too late. Mm. They're already bombing. He's having to run between them. The first regiment have already gone yeah, over. Yeah, he's banging into people. That apparently wasn't in the script. He genuinely got floored by two people. Well, on the bit where he's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so well done, though. I yeah. thought that was planned. No, apparently they just... So ran, well done! They just smacked straight in. Because, I mean, obviously, they're coming straight over a pit and then being told, right, you're going to come over the top and sprint. Yeah. They're not necessarily looking for where the camera is. Because they need to bomb it, because they need to get out of frame. Exactly. (laughs) So, it's brilliant. And then it kind of, yeah. So he doesn't save everybody, but he gets to save his friend's brother. Well, kind of. They call off the attack and they kind of retreat everybody's and he's still alive. So I kind of guess he takes it. And he's Richard Madden. Yeah, I mean, a Stark and a Lannister being brothers, Mm. that's fucking wrong. That don't happen. (laughs) But that's fine. Um... And, and yes, you get to save him, but it's it's a good... Again, it speaks to the realism of the movie that yeah. he didn't save everybody. No. But he's still a hero because he saved a lot more than he than he would have had he just given up the ghost uh, when his friend died. Some of the dialogue where they do that, especially with the... He was a hero. He's like, yeah, he got a medal for fighting in the Somme and he traded it for wine because who the fuck cares? Yeah. This war has disillusioned all of us. We've lost our boyhood. We've lost our innocence. Yeah. We've been exposed to just <laughs> love... Terrible I shit. I love the bit where he goes, it's just a piece of tin. He goes, it's not just a piece of tin, you get a ribbon as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was great. When there's levity, it's, it's quite nice, but they don't, it's not a funny move by any stretch of the nation. It's there in drips and drabs, but it's it's kept to a minimum just so you never really lose touch of just how horrible this is. And I actually want to finish just by telling you my favourite scene. Go on. Um, and it's none of the action scenes. Aww. It is the bit where he claws himself out of the river, stumbles uh, towards yeah. the the choral notes it can hear, and the camera does this beautiful fucking movement of going past him and through these people just sitting around a man singing this... Like, what would you what kind of song would you call that? Uh, it's like one of those like um, it's like it's a long way to Tipperary. It's that kind of yeah. Thing, isn't it's it? an old war song that they sing. Like the, whenever you hear the last post, that's essentially eating, but in there's there's words to it now. Yeah, of just oh, it's about to get very sad for everybody here, isn't it? Yes, it is. And and it and it comes back round, and you see all these hopeful looking yep. guys, and then just him battered fuckless oh. against a tree. That's such a good moment. It's because it, it's such a stark contrast to everything else that's been happening. Yeah, it there is nothing but this singing. There is nothing but this melody inside of. It's been sandwiched between getting shot to fuck by Germans yeah. and bombing down the front line because your mates are getting shot to yeah. fuck. It's such a beautiful contrast, Darren. It's everything, such a good scene. I'll tell you, everything about this movie works, and it's good that it doesn't. Because if there was a faltering part. That would ruin the whole. Yeah. And uh, so, what was your favourite bit? Oh, that, that's hard. Um, 
I, I do like him running across the front line. I think that's such a brilliant um, motif. Oh, that's very difficult. It's it might be the bit in the trenches. I think just because it just kind of it shows you the stakes are real. Yeah. Like yet that nothing other than him being stabbed and putting his hand through the cup. Nothing bad has happened to them yet. But that when it was like boom, we're going to have this set piece here of him being blown up. Mm. And we're not even, like, a good 20 minutes into this movie. Actually, no, I take that immediately back. It's him walking through the trenches, cycling himself up. Of just, At the start? Yes. Okay. Of, of how good that kind of sets up the rest of this movie, of the determination and the and the, the kind of mentality of, your, of one of your main characters, without having much dialogue. And how many moving facts of that? When he gets to Adam... Andrew Scott? Adam Scott? Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott. Who <laughs> gets a brilliant line of like, you know, if you do happen to get shot by Germans, can you throw it back, please? <laughs> I do, hate, I do hate losing these uh, flare guns to the hunt. So if you're going to get shot, just throw it back. Um, yeah, uh, just to get to him to be like, he meets so many disillusioned people, dispassionate people, but he's just like dead ahead. Mm. I think that's probably my favourite scene. Fair enough. But you could throw a dartboard at like the the um, the scenes of the movie. Yeah, and you you're going to hit something brilliant. Yeah, it's all fucking great. I'm really worried what the first bad movie of the year is going to be because we're two for two so far. Yeah, that's it's it's pretty good going. And it is the only. I mean, I've got Little Women next week. That could go either way. I mean, because, my yeah. girlfriend watched it and said it was a very good interpretation of it. And it's a movie it's, that's been made three times. Well, two times already. Yeah. So like, I mean, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of good actresses in there. Oh hell yeah, Florence so, Pugh's in it. Like, yeah, that'll get. I weirdly love Fight With My Family, so you know. Yeah, I think you may have liked that more than I did. <laughs> Which is saying uh, something, considering yeah, the subject know, matter. You know, I'm dyed in the wool and I am a nerd. Um, yep. I, I, ooh, I know what it might be, because we've got beautiful... On my list here from the 2020 preview, which may still happen, yep. uh, A Beautiful Day in That Neighbourhood is still in January, and I think a lovely combination of Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers, and Philip from The Americans is not going to be bad. Mm. But then it's Birds of Prey, the fantabulous emancipation of the one Harley Queen in February. Yeah, that could We've be. also Sonic the Hedgehog in there as well. Yeah, February might be a real shit. February has. may be a come to Jesus moment, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right then, so you can go and follow me on Twitter at ThatMikeOwen, as well as Instagram. You can also follow Darren on Twitter and Instagram at TheGutridge. You can go and follow the site on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook under the username FowleyNT. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. You can go and follow us on Spotify, iTunes, Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud and any other place you can get RSS feeds under the username FowleyNT Podcasts uh, or FowleyNT, depending on what the URL is. Uh, and you can also go to FowleyNT foulentertainment.com I nearly got to the end of that whole spiel without slipping up uh, to go and listen to more podcasts read some articles uh, within the middle of the uh, WWE Stats Week we're just finishing up the 2019 year roundups and then it is uh, full steam ahead towards awards season and beyond Great. Uh, yeah, you. Um, we've already recorded a Jojo Rabbit review, so you can go and listen to that as well. And as we said, we are gearing up for a lot of podcasts in the future. We'll Fucking be bringing hell. back uh, Pitching Tents at some point. I'm going to let you into a little secret. I've already started planning my next Pokemon region because I couldn't help myself. <laughs> nice. Um, plus, I already told you what it was going to be in the last one, so it won't be too much of a surprise. I'll have to listen back to that because I can't um, remember. But yeah... Um, Please do go check out all of their back catalogue from last year, especially the pitching tents because they're kind of timeless gems. Yeah, they are great. Uh, I can't believe I just said my own stuff's great. I feel like such a. Time. I have no such shame. My stuff is fantastic. Right up. <laughs> I, I listened to my My Chemical Romance pitch again today. I was like, God, oh, that's your best work, Darren. Well done. 
Do you think that's your best work? I think so. I feel like there was... I don't know. What was your best work? We'll have this conversation off podcast. Bye, everybody! Bye!